0: What's going on, everybody? I find myself way out east on Long Island in the Hamptons to uh, talk to one of my uh, fellow beach bums. Another guy that just loves the beach and the ocean and not wearing shoes. I'm talking about Des Bishop, a very, very funny comic. Knocking on his door right now. Uh, very, very funny comic, born and raised in Queens was a bad, bad boy, so his, um, so his parents uh, sent him to Ireland to live with relatives. And then somewhere in there, he decided to uh, live in China for a year or two. He's a very interesting dude. He just got back from Ireland. And uh, we're going to talk to him on the latest episode of the OP Radio Podcast! <laughs> I'm going to let myself in. Dez? Hello? I could do this, right? Dez? see what's in the fridge. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Who does this? I just walked into his house. He's not here. And immediately I uh, opened the fridge. Let's see. He likes orange juice. Sparkling seltzer water pitted olives uh let's see natural salted butter a little hummus and I swear to you that is about it and some cream cheese as I wait for Des Bishop in his house oh he's into the peloton what do I do do I just wander around and just freaking explore he's got a beautiful view of the bay out here in the hamptons really nice deck I don't go into the bedrooms, right? Do I go into the bedrooms? Okay, that's like... That's a guest bedroom, I believe. Nice TV. It's got a lot of shells that he collected from the beach, it looks like. Happiness is sand between your toes. Ain't that the truth? I'm in the bathroom. Do I even open up the medicine cabinet? I did. (laughs) (laughs) I did. Just a little... uh, Do I open this door? I don't even... This is like a utility closet with a lot of golf balls. Des likes his golf. And I'm opening this door. I just took a... Are you snooping around my house? I just took a tour of your house (laughs) for the podcast. Let me rinse off
1: and then we'll begin. Didn't you just rinse off the ocean it looks like? Yeah, I just, I just went for a swim in the ocean. Yeah. Y- you have broken into my house. And, uh, no, I'm just going to rinse the salt off, and then we'll start. All right, let's do it. Yeah, I mean, it's a difficult life. It's a very difficult. These are the things that have to be done. Yeah,
0: you're, you're a beach bum like me. Yeah. I, I usually leave the salt water in my, in my hair and oh, my you do for the whole day. Oh, no. I, I, I have a little outdoor thing. I just rinse it off super quick. All right, all right. All I, give me two I, seconds. I'll make myself uh, at home. All right, Des has made it back. It looks like he went to the ocean. Got to take my backpack off. Anyway... Sitting down. Maybe I could itch a few of my mosquito bites. You need me to let you in. He can't even get into his own house. Now he's running around the house. I could let you in over there.
1: I, I, I realized that after I was running around. Oh, do you need a towel? So, here's yeah, one of the great things about being a single guy. Okay? Yeah. There's nobody going, like, well, get out of the house with this wet, you know, don't oh, walk in. I'm so saturated. Fucking water over
0: the floor. I don't give a shit. You don't give a shit. <laughs> I know you're single because uh, your your fridge has nothing in it. It has it has orange <laughs> juice and seltzer, fridge?
1: huh? Oh yeah, I mean I, it, everyone comments on that too. Yeah. Years ago, when, when McGregor was fighting Mayweather, oh sure, I was on in the cellar that night. Yeah. But I ordered the fight here, and I, I invited everybody around to watch the fight. I said, "Listen, like I'll be there bang on the beginning of the fight. You yeah. know, I'm gonna you know rush out from uh, so." By the time I got home, there was, like, 15 people in here, but they were all making fun of me. They were like, when you invite people over, there's usually stuff in the house. Like, I, was like, no. I was like, I got the fucking fight. My mother told me you got to arrive with stuff. Right, of course. <laughs> That's hilarious. So they're
0: just sitting around, and, and they can't find a beer or a soda or nothing, man.
1: No, I mean, there's usually, honestly, because I don't drink, there's usually a few beers left over from, like, somebody else or, you know, but in this situation. Actually, I had people here this weekend because I was in Ireland. Yeah. My cousins and... Uh, Oh, they didn't leave me with a lot. An extra, an extra box of Honey Nut Cheerios. That's about all I got out of that deal. See, that
0: sucks. When we have people at our house, you know, we uh, we we gain some stuff. We gain a couple
1: cases of beer, and uh, I don't know, a few link sausages. And I got a watermelon out of it. You know, oh, you got a a massive, watermelon? All right. there's a massive watermelon on right. the table. That's well, right. in their defense, their uh, their um, their son is fully nonverbal autistic, and it's actually one of the reasons why I let them come out because he he. You know, with autistic kids, they're like, uh, you know, they're tactile, right? Yeah, yeah. They've got all this different stuff. You know, it's very hard to know what's going on in their head, but he will sit in the breakwater of the ocean for the entire day. Wow. Like all day. Right. And like, like a typewriter, you just have to move him back. You know, when the, the, yeah, yeah. The, the shift kind of, the sweep pushes him slowly east normally. And then you push him back like a typewriter. And he'll do that all day. So it's a nice break for them to just like not have to right. think about him or whatever. So they love it out here. So I give them a pass. So what, what, I, is,
0: what does he get out of the ocean being autistic? Like it just uh, makes him feel? Like how does that work?
1: I actually don't know. I you don't, don't know. know? His mom or dad would probably be able to say a bit more. But my, my limited knowledge of that stuff is that autistic kids uh, you know they they experience things differently and i know that they often are very tactile and like they, it has a lot to do with sensations and colors but uh, trust like i'm close now to speaking out of my ass but you know he has things that he likes like he he will play with like a plastic uh he'll play with like a pl- two plastic knives yeah for like ages but like with a very sort of very routine thing. Like, yeah. He doesn't really speak, but he's got the things that he likes. And when he does them, he's very happy for very long periods of time. But he's fully nonverbal autistic. So, like, I guess on the spectrum, he's, he's at the very far end. Wow, that's And it's, 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 it's a handful. But he's a really cool kid. And don't ask me why, but he, he likes me. He's, you know, he has, like, certain people that he likes. And it's yeah. not like a compliment or otherwise. It's yeah. just whatever went on for him. So... I am actually one of the typewriter people. I'm actually one of the people that has to, has to bring him back down. <laughs> has to move him back? The bad news he's is he's being been s- swept away uh, to, the, to the east? The bad news is that one of his other things is a trampoline. So at Christmas time, I go to another cousin of mine's house, and he will jump on that trampoline for hours. But when you're one of the guys that he likes, you have to jump on that fucking trampoline. For hours. Now it is really fun and it's so nice that he, he's just like so happy yeah, 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 and you're course. like the whole time you're trying to figure out, I wish I could fucking figure out what's going on in this kid's head. But at the same time, after like 45 minutes of jumping on the trampoline. You're exhausted by I'm that. 43 years old. And, 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 yeah, and he's just getting started. So what are we going to do? We're standing right now. Are we Are going to sit I, down? Yeah, let's sit. Well, I mean, you know, it's, the other it's up to you. you. I, I saw your Peloton. I just did that. That's, that's why I had to go for a swim. Bought a Peloton in the uh, beginning of the summer. Well, I mean, I was I was saying at the beginning of the podcast, you're a beach bum like me. You
0: love the beach. You love the ocean. And you try to be out here as much as you can in the summertime, even though you're a working comedian, you got to go to the city and you just got back from Ireland. The one thing I find when I'm out at the beach for the whole summer is I can't really work out because there's no real good gyms around. So I'm doing, a, I'm doing a workout app, and I love it. And the Peloton's the same type of thing. You don't need a fucking gym.
1: Which app did you get?
0: Uh, I do uh, Diamond Dallas Pages, DDPY
1: Yoga. Oh, nice, nice. It's yeah, kind of
0: I- like power yoga. He doesn't even like calling it yoga anymore, but uh, I'm telling you, man, I, 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 feel, I feel like I'm getting in shape without a gym
1: for the first time in my life. I certainly wouldn't speak against it because, like you, I was like – because I was in Australia uh, March, April, May – and I know I mentioned to you in advance that my mom died, but it's kind of connected. My mom had died, and then I immediately had to go to a strip. I didn't have to go, but I did. And I kind of like, really got obsessed with fitness. Yeah. So I was worried, like you, yeah. when I get back, how am I going to keep this going? Because I was going to so many classes, but they're so expensive when you go to these boutique fitness classes. Right. So somebody recommended the, the Center app, and uh, I have to say it was good. Okay. But then, because I was also obsessed with spinning, I got into all these spinning classes when I was over there, for, I got like a free, you know, like I got like a, yeah, yeah. a, a clump for free. And uh, when I got back here, I was doing some Soul Cycles, but like 35 a pop. I know, man. It's expensive. It adds up. So I thought, I'll do one big outlay, 2500 for the Peloton. Even today, like, because you asked me yesterday, could we do this? And then, you know, I'm only out here for the day. And I, I got here and I had to do a quick, coincidentally enough, I had to write a quick paragraph because I'm writing a show about my mom. So I had to do a quick paragraph for a theater back in Ireland. And then I was done and I was like, give me a half hour. I'm banging out of Peloton because you just feel like it's in the house. It's fucking calling you. Of course. And it's, you know, that's how
0: I feel about the app. I get obsessed with it. And if if I don't work out, I get kind of bummed out because by the time I get back to the city in the fall, I every summer I gain an easy 10 pounds. And that's with running around all summer in the ocean and running on the beach and stuff. But, uh, you know. There's always a beer or something. Not that I'm a big drinker, but there's always people coming, and it's it's another big barbecue, and it's cheesecake. There's always something. And unless you're incredibly disciplined, it gets tough. So uh, I think this is the first summer I'm not going to go back to the city uh, 10 pounds heavier or something. Oh, that's good. I'm man. pretty happy course, about that. you feel that. so much better. Man. Of course, yeah. You feel so
1: much better out here on the beach. If you can... Uh... You know, when you get it, get speaking, the endorphins going.
0: Speaking of the beach, I, I saw a clip from, uh, uh, I guess, your podcast. You did it on the beach recently. And yeah, you I, had, ta- I
1: had my partner and her friend out. for My podcast partner and her friend were, out. For- were
0: they really shocked to find that most people uh, uh, pee in the ocean?
1: Well, I knew that a lot of Irish people don't know that peeing in the ocean is like a normal thing. Because years ago, I was in Australia. And like this beautiful, the Whitsunday Islands, like for gorgeous... You know, out in the, the you know, like, uh, by the Great Barrier Reef. And um, I was sitting at Whitehaven Beach. It's actually, like, listed as one of the most beautiful beaches yeah. in the world. And I happened to be with this girl from Athlone. She just was also on this boat trip. And she was like, I have to pee. Where am I going to pee? And, like, there's nowhere to pee. The yeah. only way, there's, no, there's nothing on the island. You have to be on a boat yeah, and I was so, like, "Well, you just fucking go, go pee in the ocean? She's like, you can't pee in the ocean. <laughs> Why not? I was like, what do you mean you can't pee in the ocean? She's like, no, you can't pee in the ocean. And I was like, well, where do you think the fucking fish are pissing? Like, where, you know, where are all the sharks in? You right. want to swim in the ocean because there's fucking sharks in it. Yeah. Then she doesn't want to piss in it. It's like, where do you think the sharks are fucking pissing? You know? Everything is shitting
0: and peeing shitting in the ocean. And we're not
1: shitting in it. You well, know? I, got, I got a couple stories if you want to hear. <laughs> That's I did sh- actually shit in the ocean once. You did? On Ipanema. on top. <laughs> Ipanema Beach in Rio. Yeah. I was fuck I went for a jog. Yeah. And particularly back in the day, I don't know why, not as much nowadays, I fucking sometimes I, jogging would always bring on the fucking desire to have a shit. <laughs> yes. It gets
0: things moving.
1: Yeah, and then oh, one morning Ipanema Beach like middle of the thing like no, you know, nowhere to go. I fucking die for shit. So I swam out as far as I fucking could. And I dropped one, but I'm sure you discovered this when you shot in the ocean. Yeah, the fucking bastard floats. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. It, it floats back toward you toward for you. whatever reason. I was like, I was like, fucking swimming away from that thing as fast as possible, <laughs> hoping that, Red. like, from the beach, nobody could see my 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 floater. Yeah, yeah. You know. No, in Wildwood, my brother-in-law, we were
0: all uh, just you know, we were far out in the ocean, just chilling out over our heads, you know, and and I was just. Date, starting to date my wife and hanging out with uh, a, a group of them, and he decides to drop logs. And we're all coupled up. We're all coupled up over our head, wild wood in the ocean. And he decides to drop some uh, some logs. He thought it would be hilarious, right? But he didn't. He doesn't tell any of us. Same thing. These they were floaters floating back toward us, and then the panic, like like a shark was in the water. Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> we, had to, we had to get the hell out of there. Ah. It's a fucking disgusting.
0: But my, you want to you want to know a really good one, though? So, when, I, once again, when I was first uh, dating my wife, we would go to the Outer Banks, one of the best places on earth. I love the Outer Banks. That's uh, North Carolina? Yeah, North yeah. Carolina. And you get these houses that are just ridiculous on the 4x4 beach. So, you drive your car on the beach for miles. So, when you get out to the house, you really feel like you're away. You only go to town maybe once, twice in a two-week period just to shop and maybe do dinner one night. But anyway, so... Um, And then they have rows of houses. They have the first row, which is oceanfront. Then there's a row behind that and then a row behind that. So they just stack up the houses for everybody. So this one year, we were back a little bit like the second or third row. So in the morning, I'm a morning person. I get up and check out the the sunrise and do some fishing. And I drive my car down the beach so I could crank the tunes. And I'm just in a happy place with my coffee. And I, I had to take a shit. But here's the best part of the story. Um, about 20 minutes earlier, my, my now mother-in-law, who I didn't know well, was going for a walk with, I believe, my wife's aunt. They were taking a nice long walk. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm feeling it. That I have to take a shit and, but I could kind of see them they're on their way back but I'm like I think I could get away with this and, and everyone's like why didn't you go back to the house no one
1: goes back to the house right no well it dep- if it's too far you don't want to because once no. you're back in the house you're probably not going to come back yeah. out
0: I'm not an animal but I'm not perfect I, I, I don't shit on the beach a lot so I, I drop oh you drop in the sand I drop in the sand this is my logic I'm like the waves are coming in they'll wipe this thing out and get rid of it right so the first mistake because we're kind of on vacation I'm probably not eating as well as I usually do. So it's kind of pot roasty and and it falls apart. The first wave just wipes it out and spreads it everywhere, okay? And now they're <laughs> they're walking closer and closer and closer. And you know those birds we have them out here, they I call them twinkletoes uh birds cuz they just they run yeah, really fast. Or, yeah, 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 they yeah. run really fast and they like they go with the waves and they go yeah, yeah, they yeah. go in, in and, and then out. they go out yeah. depending on the waves. All of a sudden, there's a flock of them, and they are going to town. They're feasting. They're feasting. And right at that moment, uh, my mother-in-law comes back from our long walk. She has no idea why all these birds
1: are just feasting. <laughs> on your shit. On my shit. Because <laughs> at this point, it's so spread out, you have no you idea. you wouldn't have thought that the smarter thing to do would be to go a little back up the beach... Dig a hole, drop yeah, it in the hole, and cover it. Like, but,
0: but the waves were coming in nice. I'm like, like you no. know what? This is going to be a quick sweep out. And by the time anyone goes swimming, it, it'll be
1: long, long gone. So,
0: true story.
1: But, I, know. I I've dropped, honestly, I've had so many, uh, years ago, especially because I used to eat a lot of like Raisin Bran and Bran Flakes. Yeah. I've dropped shits in like so many spots. Of course. I dropped on the side of the LAE last year, late for a gig nice, at the good cellar. for you. Late for a gig at the cellar. I was driving back, Sunday night traffic. Yeah. Fucked up on my timing. And I just had to pull over to the side, just into the trees in the L.A., boom, (laughs) drop it, pair of underwear somewhere, stuck in the middle of the trees. But I'd rather be fucking shitting on the side of the L.A. than face the wrath of Esty. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, no kidding. She (laughs) she wouldn't understand
0: that. Esty's Esty's tough. We all love Esty, but she's tough. She runs the the cellar in uh, New York City, but... And, and you're not a rookie. You have to use your underwear to clean up, and then you've got to throw that away.
1: Yeah, well, you know, it depends on the scenario. If you don't have anything, if you don't have, like, a Dunkin' Donut napkin left over uh, in the car, exactly. then it's going
0: to be the underwear, you know? <laughs> But anyway, uh, when you were talking about, you know, women and, and everyone peeing in the ocean, I'm like, yes, because I, I have a house and I see these people that come down to the beach for the day. And unless you're really strict with your water intake, you're going to have to pee eventually. And there's no there's no bathrooms. And it's so funny to watch the girls get up and make believe they're they're going in in for a quick
1: swim. But yeah. what they really want to do is just take a quick leak, which I have no problem with. I mean, all, all the beach people here, like the, the people I grew up with and stuff they're all like we're, we we all admit that we pee in the ocean oh, but every easy. now and then the 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 irregulars the non yeah. Yeah. the non beach people will go back up to the house usually women guys always pee in the ocean but women will go back up to the house uh,
0: I, I see everyone peeing in the ocean
1: and, and it was a good day and i think it happened
0: last summer i you know you know i have two small kids and every time they had to go to the bathroom we had to bring them all the way back to the house i'm like uh so finally last year I let him in on the little secret that you could pee in the ocean. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. Santa's not real and you can pee in the ocean. <laughs> it was a great day though cuz now we don't have to interrupt our beach day Absolutely. and walk all the way up to the house and and then you got to make sure you know you get all the sand
1: off your feet and it's a whole process. And the, uh, the other thing is the great unsaid. Yeah. So like we play a lot of beach volleyball out here? Yeah. So like you know you play 2 or 3 games and then everyone's like let's go for a dip. Yeah. And you know, like, at least three or four people in that group of people are taking a pee. Of course. But you just don't say it. Yeah, of course. It's just unsaid. But I, most likely, you're talking to them while they're peeing.
0: See, I'm really bad because I uh, I do a lot of fishing. Yes. And I will pee standing up and make believe I'm not peeing. And there are people all around me and have no idea.
1: So so you're peeing inside or you have you whipped it out? No, like,
0: I got the baggy swim, you yeah, know, the swimsuit and, and I just kind of kind of make sure it's 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 you got to be careful with your stream so you don't get your leg or yeah, that or, way, or yeah. your
1: swimsuit I, I mean i'm not, I, ex- I, I'm not exposing myself for anything but no i've done that i do that okay. like if i'm on a jog and i'm like halfway through the jog so i don't really want to uh go in the water yet yeah. you know because i'm worried about getting chafing yeah i don't want to i don't want to accelerate in chafe <laughs> right so i will uh i'll whip it out through the side of the yeah, thing, there you go so just stand there as if i'm like yeah taking it in i i
0: this podcast better not be about uh, peeing and shitting. I'm with Des Bishop. Um, how was Ireland? You just got back. Yeah, well, Ireland's always good, you know. I mean, you're like a... There's someone... We have a mutual friend, and, uh, and uh, this person said to me, he goes, Do you know that Des Bishop... Is the Jerry Seinfeld of Ireland?
1: I wish he was right. I mean, I think I don't have the Jerry Seinfeld of Ireland money. I can tell you that right now. I don't have the euro equivalent of uh, Jerry Seinfeld. When he found out I I, I knew you
0: were friendly uh, friends, basically, he goes, "You you do know he's the Jerry Seinfeld of
1: Ireland?" No, I mean, you know, I've I've had I've had a good run in Ireland. I mean, I'm not even now like like in Ireland now. You know, I, I wouldn't even. You know, it, would, it wouldn't be at its, like, at its peak, peak time anyway. Yeah. But it's still great. You know, it's great to perform in a place where, like, people know you and they're yeah. your fans. But you know, more importantly for me with Ireland is, like, when I'm back there, I'm like, wow. I mean, my life really is in Ireland. My friends are there. Like, when I'm back in Ireland, I know it's just shorter periods nowadays. But, like, I'm never, like, idle. Yeah. You know, there's always something going on. I'm a lot more idle here. Uh, which is, like, when I'm there, I'm always like, oh, I kind of miss this. You know, there's yeah. so much going on. But then literally like a half hour ago when I was like on the beach having my swim, I was like, it's a great balance. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's great to have both, you know. But I do miss Ireland a lot of time. Like the day after, like which is today, the day after I come back from Ireland, I'm always a bit like, ah, shit, man. You know, there's just so much more of my life right. here. You know, all my adult life has been in Ireland. But, uh, but anyway, it, w- it was fun and I'm going back again in October. What's the difference
0: between Ireland and America? What, what do you like and, and dislike about both places? My like- oh
1: God. Well, I mean, Irish people are, I don't want to say the best, because I'm not dismissing other people, but when you go to Ireland, you do kind of feel like they're the easiest to get along with. Well, for me, anyway, they're kind of like naturally funny. Uh, You know, they have this thing they call the crack, which is just like having fun, but it's more than just like having fun. You explain to somebody what is the crack, and it's just a distinct Irish way of interacting. Yeah. It's kind of like... A little, little bit of slagging, a little bit of roasting of each other, like a natural, you know, there's like a, you know the way people talk about like the table in the comedy show sure. and that sort of natural, like for that, the, for the people, let me just
0: explain. So the, the table in the, at the comedy cellar, the comedians sit at this one particular table and it's on. It is on everyone's just trying to be uh, the funniest person at the table, and it gets it gets ugly at times sometimes I've been at that table over the years where you see it in people's eyes like i'm gonna fucking hit you you're almost not sure if the person is joking anymore. It, it gets that serious sometimes yeah,
1: so if you take a touch of the testosterone out, that is basically what Ireland's like all the time. like Irish people are always like making fun of each other in a loving way, uh, always up for a laugh they're just naturally like. Like always, want you to feel comfortable. So, you you know they they're, they're never. They're, it's hard to be awkward in Ireland, you know. Yeah. Uh So it, it, it's just like the the place where I I find myself being most natural. But I think most people that visit that come back from there being like, man, the people are so fucking friendly, you know. So so there's that in Ireland, which is great. On the flip side, you know, it's a small country. So first of all, everybody's Irish. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. as much right. as I love Irish people, yeah. you know, diversity is great, yeah. and uh, you know, like you you you, kind of like when when you're in ireland like sometimes i miss like the 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 broader amount of like types of people and shit and uh, and obviously like outside of the city like it's quite small so it can be quite quiet uh so so sometimes like i do miss the the energy of new york and plus with the smallness too comes like familiarity and uh everyone's up in your fucking business and uh you know like you you literally have to do like 23 and Me before you fuck somebody because there's a good chance... <laughs> you're related. <laughs> there's a good chance you're related. So, uh, so you know, there's like... You know, there, there's pros and cons. I mean, I, I, I kind of joke. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm sort of looking... I'm, I'm searching hard for negative yeah. things to say about Ireland. I mean, in terms of America, like America's just pros and cons because it has everything, but there's just hassle that comes with all of it, you yeah. know? Like best healthcare in the world, but fucking hard to access it. Uh, you know, like... Best, you know, like in Ireland, does everyone have health care more or less? Yes. Yeah, so Ireland is a two tier healthcare system in that everybody's entitled to public health care, but you are yeah. allowed to have private health oh, insurance. Okay. I don't know if we talked about this before, but, you know, I had testicular cancer when I was 24. So I kind of worked the two tier system in that my doctor, my doctor, which is covered under the public health, told me that my lump was, you know, worrisome because of my age uh, so she recommended rather than apply for an ultrasound on the public health system, which could have taken like a few weeks, you know, because you got to like yeah. go on a waiting list. She said, "Why don't you just pay? Because it's not that expensive for an ultrasound. I can't remember how much it was. Maybe 160 Irish pounds at the times before the euro." And uh, so I went to a private clinic, paid 160 pounds for the scan. But then she said, if it turns out to be cancer, they will rush you through into the public system. You don't have to remain on the private healthcare right, system. Right, right. So once it was cancer, then I was immediately put into uh, the private healthcare, and it cost me nothing for the surgery. and Wow. Uh, you, but like healthcare is not. How, listen, the Irish healthcare system, you, you, if you listen to Irish radio, there'll be at least 10 segments a week on the problems within the public healthcare system in Ireland, and it is problematic. On the flip side, you don't really think about healthcare. Until you're in it and only, you know, you have to be quite sick and sort of needing something quite expensive to really get jammed up with the public health care system. Like I've been waiting for three years to get a hip replace and stuff like that. There are some stories where you will find the... Wait, the, you're getting a hip replace? No, no, I'm just, I'm, oh, I'm just I'm hypothetical. Oh, okay, sorry. I'm saying like there are definitely some drawbacks yeah, yeah. to a public health option that's probably right. not funded 100% properly. Yeah. But on the flip side, the majority of the population will never have to be concerned about health coverage right. in that those that can afford a little bit extra will get a little bit of better care. Uh, but at least, you, at least you get some kind of coverage in Ireland, everybody. Yeah. And, and trust me, like, it's, it's fine. Right. It's absolutely fine. Like, right now, I pay in Ireland for extra. But, like, even that, like, so, so say if there was, like, a, an A through E private health care option, I'm on, like, the C, like, mid-level, you know, which is recommended for my age. And it cost me like thirteen hundred a year. Oh my god! Just to add, and it's I, I, essentially—you know what it works like? It kind of works like the Medicare Supplemental. I don't know if you, yeah. if you, if you had parents that were ill or whatever. But essentially, it's like it's kind of like Medicare, and then you can pay for the supplemental, which is like extra right. coverage. You think we're going to
0: ever figure out healthcare in America?
1: I don't know. I mean, it's a problem because for it, some reason people I, 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 people associate their beliefs on healthcare. With their political identity. (laughs) Of course. And uh, like everything in this country, for some reason, politics and identity have gotten intertwined. So you feel like you have to pick the things that fit with your identity. Right. Whereas in actual fact... Like, well, I think, I think that about uh, global warming, uh, warming and climate change.
0: You believe or don't believe in that depending on your political affiliation. And I'm like, that's crazy. This should not be a political issue. This, Absolutely. Is, this should be something we all get on the same page about and try to figure out. But it's like, no, if you're a Republican, you don't believe in this shit. And if you're a Democrat, you completely believe that you know, we only have 12 years left and the earth is
1: done. But well, When you're a Republican or Democrat and you have a house next to the fucking ocean, you believe in it just in, ca- <laughs> just in case, man. I'm not taking any fucking risks. Right. They better figure out how to pull this motherfucking water back. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, unfortunately, I, I, I hate that we do that with
0: some of these issues in America. It's like it, it should not be – not everything is a political issue.
1: Well, I'm of a firm belief that identity is actually the most important thing. I, I, I think it's like one of the big drivers of, of the human condition and – Uh, I think, unfortunately, as society gets more homogenized, actually identities get narrowed to the point where uh, there's very little to hang your hat on. And therefore, there's so many people's like essentially like a core issue for them has been come tied up with your beliefs in like politics and and, and your, your cultural tastes. Which is very unfortunate because, as as you can see, I'm sure you're sick to death of talking about it. But
0: well, the 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 healthcare system is just completely out of control in America, and I don't think we're we're going to figure it out because those companies make too much money. Their profits are just insane, and they don't want to give up. They don't want to give that up.
1: I know. So they're
0: going to fight that right to the end,
1: no matter what. Right to the end. I mean, listen, I'm not a Bernie Sanders guy, but at the same time, you can't deny. That the amount of corporate money in politics is, is unhealthy. Of course. You know? A hundred percent. And, uh, and uh, unfortunately, I think probably some of the biggest money is, is coming from the, the health care industry. A hundred percent. So it's th- that, that, is, that, it, that is unfortunate. Because, like, it's, it's very boring to say, but the U.S. is really the only, like, industrialized country. Is that the politically correct term to say nowadays? The only industrialized country that doesn't have some sort of, like, baseline public health policy. Right. Exactly. So that's, it's just unfortunate. And, and the hilarious thing is that people complain about it all the time, like, like as if it's like a freedom issue. But and I don't know if I used this example with you before, maybe with somebody else. But like I have a friend, I'm not going to name him, but he's a, a New York State court officer. And he uh, w- would love to leave that job, but he cannot leave that job because the health benefits are too good. Yeah. And that would be too much of a risk for his family. And I said, well, here's the funny thing. If you were in Ireland, you would not have to think about healthcare would not be a concern right. of yours for your de- decision to change. And so essentially this so-called free market of healthcare is killing his entrepreneurial spirit. Of course. So he cannot take risks of because course. the risk is too great. For the health care of his family, that is the opposite of fucking capitalism
0: by the way you're speaking for all of us. We all have a family member or two that wants to leave their jobs, but they can't because they can't afford the you know to lose their health insurance
1: yeah, so I mean that that, that to me is the opposite that of kind of goes against uh, the american a hundred percent that's why so much of this like left wing versus right wing is total fucking nonsense you know because I, I i'm not a hundred percent left wing i like I believe in I, you know, I believe people should, you know, be, be, you know, be free to invest and make profit and all that stuff. But on the flip side, you know, I I, I just think, uh, you know, people shouldn't have concerns about certain base things. Right. You know, just hundred, like, yeah. because the money's out there. Yeah. So why not, you know, why not allow, you don't have to distribute money by giving people free money. But why not just have, you know, a, a, a base amount of, uh, uh, you know, of like well-being yeah. for all of society.
0: I just get frustrated by both sides at this point. I mean, you know, you just turn on the TV and it's all they're doing is fighting over Trump. That's all. And I'm I'm thinking about all the things that we could have possibly accomplished instead of just arguing about Trump, you know, uh, all day long on these news channels. Like, what what do these politicians do if they're not
1: going after Trump and vice versa? Like, both both sides are guilty of this. I know. Well, the problem is that politics is really supposed to be a game of. Civil service, right? You know, like yeah, which is really fucking boring. But I think most of their time is spent just trying
0: to take Trump out, and the other side, most of their time is is, is being used to you know kind of defend and and um, protect Trump. And, yeah, you and, know, but, and then I'm thinking, well, can't you guys be legislating something down there?
1: Yeah, I mean that's because it became a game of power, whatever you know. I mean it it, it it's quite it's, unfortunate because America needs like. America it's actually a really important time for America government governance wise because like uh, America now is an extremely mature country. Yeah. Uh, needs like a ton of maintenance on its fucking infrastructure, its healthcare. You know, there's just like really important things going forward for the future. And you feel like there's a lot of money around. Yeah. Like a ton of American companies have done really fucking well at the forefront of the next major industry, the technology industry. So we should be also at the forefront of like a healthy society moving forward like of all the, all the modern things that we're going to need you know for the next you right. know the next phase of human development but somehow when it comes to the the infrastructure stuff we're like way behind so cuz they don't want to really
0: deal with that and they hide behind everything else it's it, they just play this weird game of tug of war down in Washington like they, they're they winning by a little bit today, and they'll point and go, ah, we got you. And then the other side will pull back that rope, and they're like, ah, no, we got you. And and
1: and, and broad stroke things are not being uh, accomplished. Well, that's why I think he was the worst thing for America, Trump. And I'll tell you why. Because I didn't want Trump, but when he was elected, I was like, you know what? Maybe, just maybe, his fucking weird, right. chaotic shit yeah. will actually get shit done. Because I thought, like, maybe... He'll sit down and go, we'll invest a ton of money on infrastructure. Like, almost like I felt like he would be irresponsible in a good way. Yeah. Because I feel like a lot of the time, the concerns about the irresponsible stuff, like tons of investment in public projects, you know, is considered, like, negative. But long term, you actually benefit from it, even though perhaps in the short term, he leaves you in a bit of a fiscal hole, you know? So I thought, maybe he'll he'll fucking be crazy and actually get shit done. But unfortunately he 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 just accelerated the real problems of identity politics and you know divided society he just made all those things worse right. and actually gets nothing done right. like nothing at all right. because and he all- just loves the game right so I the guess. game is fucking pumping right now like if you're yeah. into the game of politics couldn't be better i yeah, mean it's of course. fucking hot hot <laughs> of course. and he only cares about like ratings and all. so it's all fucking super hot for him it's all about him it's like fucking it's it's trump central trump- and I mean, the one thing about
0: Trump and it drives me nuts. Uh, you know, Trump supporters just simply don't want to acknowledge this. He only gives a fuck about himself. He doesn't even give a fuck about his family. He cares about himself, and that's it. His ratings, and this, and that, and everything else. Uh, you know, he, he doesn't. He doesn't that, give that, two shits about
1: that. Is narcissism. I, I mean, I, he's, I'm actually,
0: he's entertaining as all hell. I, I'll give him that, but. But all, and all we
1: do is focus on his goddamn tweets uh, d- day in and day out. I know, and they keep, the funny thing is I did a real hypocritical thing because I did a tweet about how much the media are obsessed with Trump, Trump's tweets when yeah. they could literally just ignore them. Yeah. But then I was tweeting about Trump's tweets, <laughs> which is like, which is a great fucking hypocrisy. I, I, I hate when that happens. <laughs> You're trying to make a point,
0: You're like, oh yeah, yeah, so I like, think I just did the same. I, exact I think thing. I'm
1: doing the same thing. But I mean, I, I was speaking in more general terms about, like, just fucking shut up about them all the time, yeah. you know. But anyway, whatever. You know. But
0: you know, take a shot at the other side too. I, I don't. I don't think the Democrats have a plan to take Trump out in the next election. I know. I mean, I, I, I don't. I don't see any of these people
1: uh, rising
0: to the top and having a real, real shot at Trump.
1: No, I mean the only, the only one really that looks like she has a plan is Elizabeth Warren. I mean, right. I know everyone's not crazy about her, and I'm not. I'm not saying I'm totally sold on her, but she, one thing she definitely does, she has a fucking plan. Yeah, and she has experience, yeah. but. You know, I, I. But she just looks like she has fleas. I know. She, she's. I just. She's not I think a great, she wears the same exact thing. And she's not a and, great candidate. I,
0: and you wonder if she showers
1: on a daily basis. <laughs> That's the problem. She's not. But yeah, if you, if you actually listen to, her, like, even what's his face, fucking, the, who's the craziest guy on Fox? Uh, um, well, Hannity's up not, there. Yeah. The, oh, uh, the younger version of Hannity. Uh, Tucker. Tucker Carlson. Yeah. He. he uh, he likes Elizabeth Warren's plan. Does he really? Yeah, he tricked his audience there a few weeks ago. And like, see,
0: I like that. I like when the other side at least admits something. Yeah, but it about shouldn't be other.
1: size. That's why I know That's it the shouldn't. fucking problem, you know?
0: Well, that's what sucks about what news channel you pick, because let's say you 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 watch MSNBC. They're already talking to the converted. You know what I mean? And then Fox is talking to their people. And
1: I, I would love to see a channel where they actually Meet in the middle, and yeah, I mean, really it used fight to be. Out. I feel like it used to be that way. I mean, the 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 the, the right always complained there was like a left leaning bias in the media back in the day. I mean, it, it probably was like a, a, a little bit, sort of a, like a left bias, but at worst, it was a bias. Yeah. Whereas now, it's just completely divided. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I what, mean,
0: what? What is? Uh, sorry to interrupt you. What? I, I'm excited to talk to you. Um, what does
1: Ireland think of Trump? Oh, nowhere else in the world likes Trump except for the people that like Trump in America. Really? No. I mean, I know. I, I, you know, I take that back. There's like a uh, the far right crowd in Europe and the Brexit crowd yeah. like Trump. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, but they like Trump for the reasons that you can understand, which is they're like sick of identity politics and they're sick of like, you know, o- you know over the PC society, which again, I'm sure you're sick of talking about anything, but you know, they they're they're they're, they're kind of getting into the the like enough with the stifling, you know, uh incessant worry about, you know, uh, identity politics. So they like him for that reason. As far as like trade wars and stuff, I I think other than the Brexit people, there's not too many people that really identify with Trump, especially because even if you thought at the beginning, well, why not try something different with China? You know, two and a half years later when it's just like, the, you're in the same exact situation. Yeah. I think most people just think, like, all right, well, just fucking negotiate a deal with them and get on with it. Stop, you know, right. stop going on about it like you're the bravado guy. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, that you wake up one morning and you think, fuck it, I'll slap a tariff on these guys, you know, just to see, like, you know, because he just throws shit out just to see. Because oh, it yeah. doesn't care, because whether it works or not, yeah. he gets his day of drama out yeah. of it, you know. So I think most people. Well, Trump is one of these guys. Anyone
0: on social media, you're, you're, you're trying for that tweet or that video or that viral moment. Trump goes for a viral moment every day.
1: Every day. Every
0: day. It's not good enough that he had an amazing tweet yesterday that went all over the world. Now it's like, what? I need another one of those today. It's like a drug to him, I think.
1: Yeah, so I, I think, honestly, I almost wish that the Republicans would just like decide to run somebody against him in the primary. I mean, I don't, I'm not saying that they would win, but... I, I almost wish in a way that the Republicans could take him out, you know, and then perhaps there wouldn't be as much of a backlash because right now I think it's just we're just heading for like another really divisive campaign and America will remain divided. And yeah. we're I mean, I'm, a, I'm a defeatist, you know, in yeah. that I feel like where we're at right now in society, and this isn't just the United States, but it feels like one of those moments in history that will only be sort of washed away by a catastrophic event. Of course. Like World we all War.
0: come, we all come together when there's a, a huge event that happens. Nine yeah. Eleven was the last one for us, where that was uh, a time when we all were truly on the same side, and we're we're better together than apart in America. And for some reason, we don't get, we're not getting that lesson.
1: Yeah, and And, Europe had World War I and then World War II, you know, two major events. And then suddenly they went, guys, we were better together, you know. That was the EU. And the funny thing is that, like, it takes a few generations. But a few generations later, they're fucking... The the UK are leaving and people are going that the EU is shit. And you go, like, listen, all these these institutions are flawed. So you can renovate them. Right. But for some reason, at the moment, everyone thinks you just got to fucking blow everything up. But every time you fucking blow up uh, the old... Even revolutions, even the things that we celebrate as the great moments in history, like the American Revolution or Ireland supports the you know the Irish Revolution, the French Revolution, all those things led to fucking major pain. The change comes real slow. I think everyone thinks like change just boom, yeah. change happens. Look at the Arab Spring. When the Arab Spring started, I thought it was the best fucking thing I'd, I'd yeah. ever heard of. Like finally, yeah, democracy and anti religion will come. ...to the Muslim world... ...and it couldn't have been more of a fucking shit show... Right. ...created hell... Right. ...so it shows what you know... ...like the idealists, the idealists think that like... ...boom, shake it up... ...and fucking everything's going to fall into place... ...but more often than not... ...it creates more problems... Yeah. ...like it could take a hundred years to sort out Brexit... ...of course... ...you know... ...so you know like... ...I, I, I think you know... ...slow, steady progress... ...is the things that, that work best... ...you know since the American Civil War... Like, ...it's been slow, steady... ...each thing, each major change... ...you know... Uh, ...civil rights... FDR, uh, you know, even, even Teddy Roosevelt with right. the antitrust. You know, all these things were slow over time. Yeah. Anything that's been a major upheaval has been a fucking problem. Yeah, it doesn't work in the end. I, I'm, uh, I'm hoping for aliens. <laughs> My brother's getting into this now. Your brother's getting into aliens. I came in one day and he was like, yo, bro, you know fucking about Area 51 or whatever. I was like, whatever, man. I was like, when a fucking alien is standing in front of me, I'll worry about aliens. But for now... But that might bring the world together, maybe. Yeah, a common enemy. I mean, if all, sudden, <laughs> if
0: all of a sudden aliens land on this beach, what do you think? We're uh, going to forget about a lot of
1: things. Honestly, bro, if aliens land on this beach and they're good at bump setting and spiking, they <laughs> could <can> fucking <laughs> stay, Because it's very hard to find good volleyball players, <laughs> right. you know? Or maybe the aliens are already among us. Maybe, Who knows? Maybe, right? maybe man.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, uh, I guess enough on the politics. But your take on it is really, I, I like your take, Dez.
1: I'm a goddamn boring centrist. It's actually the worst thing you could be. The worst thing you could be right now is a centrist, because everyone fucking shuts off, tunes out. You get no follows, no likes, yeah. you get nothing. No, I know. Even just mentioning Trump is scary, because people get really fucking mad. And I really believe the answer is in the middle. I really believe it's in the middle. Yeah, I was gonna call. I, I was gonna call my recent show "No Fence to Sit On," but I figured nobody would get it. Uh, but that, like, that's you great. literally can't sit on the fence. No, anymore. you cannot. Because
0: basically, if you follow the logic of the right or the left, they want 50% of America
1: to believe how they believe.
0: It's never going to happen that way. Right no I so mean, that's both sides the whole have idea
1: that's the whole idea of of you know different belief systems then you come together and you negotiate something and, out and yeah, you find something
0: and we better. used to we used to do that more or less or or uh, more than nowadays,
1: yeah, but I think I think as well though a lot of the negotiating and a lot of the issues are way more public, so there's a lot more face to save, you know there's a lot more like egg on your face when you fuck up, and then you bring in like you bring in those emotions you bring in this 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 thing of victory or defeat, it's constantly talking about victory or defeat right. in the Senate, victory or defeat in the Congress, right. you know, so therefore, you don't want to lose, right, right, so it's less about progress and more about victory. Well, when
0: they vote on political lines, it drives me nuts, I think, I think the latest one was the impeachment, you know, whether they should impeach Trump or not, and pretty much if you're a Republican, you're saying no, if you're a Democrat, you're saying yes, more or less, there were a few in there, but I'm like, there's a lot of liars, a lot of liars voting here, even the ones that are voting to impeach Trump, you know, some of those people don't believe in that, but they're following their party line. There's no real individuals down there in Washington anymore. And, and that drives me nuts, too.
1: Like, uh,
0: that's where the real leaders come from is someone that, that uh, you know, goes against the system.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I don't I pers- see that. I personally think there should be more than two parties. Oh, of like,
0: course. You have, but, you have. But they, that'll never happen either because they're protecting their own interests down in Washington.
1: Yes, and all sides will never allow a third party. I know, and it's so frustrating because clearly AOC and like Joe Manchin, is that his name? Yeah. They're so fucking separate. Yeah. How the fuck are they in the same party? Right. Now, I have no problem with them being separate, and I think, I think that that's how politics works. If AOC, because whatever, she's got a lot of like people get too obsessed with her. But just ignore all the people's obsession. We take somebody like AOC; she's a democratic socialist, right? Somebody so far in the like so so into le- you know so into like w- w- in a, in a, in in Europe she would be center left. <laughs> <laughs> really, in Europe she's center left, right? You know she believes in like public health yeah. and uh, a welfare state, which is basically the the basis for all fucking European governments, right? Yeah. Uh, so and then you know Joe Manchin who like leans more like the Republicans he's almost a Republican yeah uh... And they're in the same party. But, like, there should be, like, the Democratic Socialists, the Democrats, the Republicans, and then, like, the Tea Party crowd should have clearly had their own party. And then, you know, sometimes when society feels like, you know, we need a little more, like, right th- thinking, perhaps the, the Tea Party guys do better and they hold the balance of power. Sometimes a little more left, the fucking AOC, the, the Democratic Socialists hold the balance of power. And, like, you know, sometimes, you know, a little bit of welfare state needs fixing. Those guys come in, they pump it up. You know, that, that to me, is, is, is a more functioning... Yeah, uh, because you can't get fucking Bernie and, you know, some like swing state fucking Democrat to sit down and, and agree on shit. Right. You know, but whatever. That's the system the way it is. And,
0: and it's and, not going to change anytime soon. Yeah. So um, changing subjects, man. I haven't I haven't uh, talked to you since your mom died in uh, the spring, man.
1: Yes. March 19th. How are you holding up? Yeah, I'm holding up. All right. I mean, my mother had been sick for quite a while you know, like maybe like five years, but she had like an interim sort of three-year period where she seemed to be doing okay. Well, and then, what was she sick with? Well, originally she had lung cancer. Oh, geez. So she had the operation okay. and it was fine, but then she had a lot of, a lot of complications after the operation. And she was a, uh, not a good patient. My father was sick 2009 to 2011 before he died. He was a very good patient. My mother was not a good patient. She was a tough patient. and
0: In what way? She was stubborn or stubborn, wouldn't listen to anybody? Listen.
1: So she had two really bad falls. The first one happened quite soon after the operation. She broke her neck. And then a year later, uh, again, well, you know, listen, you can't blame her. But she just didn't, she didn't like taking her time to recover. She wanted to, be like, she, she wanted to be like she was the previous year immediately after the operation. But, of course, it takes time, especially when you're older. And then she found she broke her hip a year later. You know, again, sort of trying to do too much. What, whatever. You know, she, she was the woman that she was and that suited her for most of her life. It didn't suit her in the brittle phase. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, literally like a bump could break her because she had bad osteoporosis. So after the hip uh, break, broke, she did finally sort of slow down. And she found, you know, she found herself comfortable in like a new norm. We, we sold our house, got her into something small. And so she had like a nice three years of like new, new... New life. Yeah. Uh, and then, just very quickly, out of the blue, uh, her, her actually, as it turned out, her spine collapsed, and she really had, like, seven weeks of incredibly difficult pain and was bed-bound. And she had everything else wrong with her, too. She had COPD. She had lupus. She had hemochromatosis. And she had MDS. You know, it's like like, kind of like a blood... It's, it's kind of like a pre-cancer kind of thing. But anyway, long story short, whatever actually got her in the end, th- the body gave up. So... We were trying to get her out of this pain scenario with her spine collapsing, but that really wasn't going to happen. It looked like she might have a chance to rehab, find like another new normal, but in the end, it just, it just wasn't to be. And you know, we poured her back into the hospital a couple of times, but she finally just said, like, I'm good with not coming back to the hospital. I don't think she knew that she was basically saying, I'm going to be dead within a week, but she yeah. was. Wow. Because she needed to go back to the hospital yeah. again. I'm sure they could have fought off whatever the hell was rising up in her, but you'd be doing that forever. Sure. So, she knew it was her time in a way, right? I, I mean, how, I, how old was she? Seventy-eight.
0: That's young man
1: these days. I don't think she made that decision. Actually, I was doing gigs in Boston in uh, Laugh Boston that week, the Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But I, on the Saturday during the day, I flew back for the day from Boston to New York to have that conversation because I had to go to Chicago on the Sunday, and I just wanted to talk to her about. Do you want to keep coming back to the hospital? But I didn't really think I was having like that end of life chat with her. But I did know that possibly like if she got another pneumonia, she could die. But she was sick of hospitals and it was kind of pointless. But honestly, when I had that chat, I thought she'd be fine for quite a while. Yeah. But she was that was uh that was a Saturday. So then she was dead nine days later. But I did not know. And in the meantime, I went back to Ireland to do more shows, so I did that following weekend of shows. But then, during all that weekend, she was getting worse and worse. So I ended up flying back to to New York on the on the Monday, and then she died on the Tuesday. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that, that's I, I don't even know what to say. Sorry to hear that. Oh, that's fine. I mean, I mean, I like that part of it. I, I, I've, you know, that was obviously it's very sad and grief and all that. is it's, it's difficult and it comes and goes in waves. But in terms of uh, It's lucky to be there. You know, not everybody has a chance. And myself and my two brothers were there. When she died? Yeah, we were there when she died. Which is weird because we knew that my dad was dying. And my mother was downstairs making tea. And my brother had gone back to get his wife and kid. And we we weren't all there when my dad died. Even though we fucking knew he was dying. And then when I, I came back and then, you know, my mother was like... My, would you believe my brother actually texted me on the Monday I was on the flight I got Wi-Fi on the plane I got Wi-Fi on the plane And when, I, I, when the Wi-Fi came on There was a message from my brother saying Mom's a lot better today I feel bad for telling you to come home Wow <laughs> Like that's how much we didn't know Right And then she was dead the next day And oh, you were, you were oh, there when she actually died? Oh yeah we were Yeah so Because I, I did the same thing with my dad You, you were there oh. Yeah I've been there for both It's weird A lot of death Well it's weird
0: It's weird yeah But I think it's good why do you think it's good? I'm not sure if it's good I'm not sure if it's bad
1: well here's why i don't I, I don't regret being there uh i i this is why I thought it was good with my dad originally and also with my mom uh because there's something profound about b- being in the presence of the moment where it ends because the you know like we're all well number one we're all gonna die and there is i don't know there's just something so final about it it's very i i I wrote a book about my dad, and even in the book, I said it, and still to this day, I still struggle. I find it impossible to articulate why that something, you know, happens at that moment. But it, it is amazing to see life end, and they do. In my opinion, they are no longer them, and. I know that when my you know my mother was like lying in the bed dead and a few people came in before i had you know before the funeral home people came, and people feel a connection with the dead body, but it something changes immediately
0: I, i've talked about this on the podcast uh, i'm i 'm right there with you on this too. as soon as my dad died i 'm like I wanted out of that room immediately for the simple reason I knew. He wasn't there anymore, yeah, and I mean, looking at his body, it looked like it was a mannequin. I had no attachment to his physical form anymore, like immediately. And leading up to his death, we're holding his hand. You could feel the blood pumping, the warmth of his body, and the breathing and and whatnot. And as soon as the doctors, you know, you could well, we were there. We know, you know, when he took his last breath because it's the, it's the gasp.
1: You, you, yeah, the, the because death your whole, bo- yeah, and your the whole fish body yeah, cuz your whole body
0: Yeah, your whole body's fighting to survive. So the last breath is fucking brutal. And within seconds, I I I wanted out of that room because I'm like whatever made my dad him was long gone and people are like, yeah, cause he died. I'm like, no, it's hard to explain. Like looking at the body, I, I didn't have a familiarity to that body anymore. Like whatever his, I, I call it the soul, uh, you know, the soul left his body and, the, and what was left was nothing that
1: I wanted any connection with. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't have as much of a rejection of the body. I just know it. I, 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 you can just feel that they're gone. Yeah. You know, and the like body, instantly. Yeah. The body's like irrelevant. Yeah. Uh, I do have a funny story about my dad's one, though. So, obviously, you know, my dad was in hospice care at home, so they give you all this literature about the end, right? So there's, like, fish out of water breath and all that stuff. You know, you, you read all that, too, right? Yeah. So you expect it to come. And my brother was, like, obsessed with the fish out of water. My brother Aiden, you know. And every t- like every now and then, my brother would be like, that's it, bro. That's the fish out of water, bro. <laughs> Yo, that's the fucking fish out of water, bro. And it's then happening, bro. Then he'd go back to fucking, you know, like, <sighs> you know the rattle, Yeah, right? yeah. So, uh so then, fucking definitely the fish out of water happened, you know? There's no doubt. There's no doubt. It's, the, it's literally when the air stops, right? And there's like a the few gasps. And then, so we were doing all the stuff they tell you to do. Dad, we're here with you. It's okay. You can go. You know, all that stuff that they tell you to say. Make sure that, you know, just let it go, you know? And the Buddhists talk about that too. Like, never let them feel like they have anything left to hold on to. That they can freely go. And... uh so then his, his fish out of water, and then it was done. And, you know, we were like, you did it, Dad. You did it, you know. We were like, you know, hugging him and stuff. And, bro, he was not done. <laughs> like 15 seconds later, bro, he let out the real, the, the, the final gasp. Myself and my brother fucking jumped back. We were like, like fucking. Oh we uh, And we started dying laughing. But, funnily enough, amidst the laughing. We were laughing. Well, we were laughing because no, we get it. fucking scared the shit out of yeah, us. yeah, yeah. yeah. Like a, like a ghost Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but but funnily enough in the midst of the laughing I, as we looked down you could see that that was it and it was different so when we were saying like you did it he hadn't done it because the difference after that last one was immense because his mouth dropped and just th- then that's it yeah then there's nothing you know and uh so the funny the really funny story was so um my mother, I had to go down and say, Ma, it happened, you know. So, of course, it was, you know, it was tough for her. I don't know why. I'm, pretty, I, 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 I'm, I'm not, I don't hide from grief, but I don't know what it is about the, the, the immediacy around death. For some reason, I seem to be uh, genetically made to deal with it quite well. So I, got, I went down, got my mom, and then uh, she came up. And I, I can't remember, maybe it was 15, 20 minutes, but we were, people were going to come over. But my dad's mouth had dropped, you know, and he was so fucking vain. My father was so vain and his mouth was like... His lips were like down to the left. He look, it didn't look good. So I was trying to fix his face. Oh my God. I was trying to fix his mouth so he looked a little better because he was so vain. Yeah. But moving his mouth, I start... You know, I can do his voice. So I was like, can you fucking stop touching my face, man? <laughs> but I was moving his mouth. What is my, wrong uh, but myself, my brother, my mother, we were you? fucking dying. We were dying because what can you do? Like... It's, 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 it's so sad anyway. Of it's course. so sad anyway. You got to kind of find the humor. So I was made, I made my dad into a little bit of a mannequin for a oh couple of minutes. God. Whatever, man. It's like, it's just like a uh, death humor. My mother's wasn't as obvious. In fact, there was some people over the house. My mom died and her friend was a nurse and she was there. So we actually called her in to make double sure. Like my mother didn't have, you know, my mother's breath was so shit anyway. My mother didn't have as much of a, yeah. as much of a ending. Item. Yeah, but what happened was... So we were all there checking. And, like, we did not think that that was going to be the day. But it just became clearer and clearer that, like, there was no coming back. The hospice doctor had came and said it could be today. It could be in a couple of days. And then um, my my brother was in there. And he said... She's, she opened her eyes. Uh, was that your phone the whole time? Uh, I, think I think that it, was yours. Yeah, it's my phone over there. Sorry. Okay. I, I normally don't even have the beep on. I'll tell the story and I'll go take the beep off. But uh, my brother was like... Oh, she's opened her eyes. So I came in, I saw the eyes open. So then I went and I got my brother Aiden, and I said, Aiden, you should come in. Mom's open. You know, it was the first time she opened her eyes that day. I said, you should come in and say, say you know, like get, get a visual while her yeah. eyes are open. But I actually think that was her first fish out of water. Her actual eyes open was the beginning of her, the shock to the body of, I'm not getting any more air. Right. So then the three of us were there, and she, she gave a few more, and the, the saliva, you know, Stops moving. Yeah. And then fucking... You're like, this is it. Yeah. So we were all there. That was tougher, though. I I wouldn't have been making any... It's not easy to lose a parent, no matter what, man. Do you want me to tell you my inappropriate joke that happened before she died? Yes. So...
0: Because now I'm sitting here awkward.
1: (laughs) I'm just awkward now in your house. That's fine, bro. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, that's Irish... Like, uh, Irish people are very not awkward around death. So, uh, about... Maybe two hours before she died, which it it turns out it was completely unnecessary. The home help lady was uh, giving her like just a good once over cleaning, you know. So my mother hated if I was around when they were doing the cleaning because they would, you know, she'd be naked and stuff. But obviously in this situation, she'd been in like, I guess, a coma that whole day. So I was just in there with the nurse and she was doing the uh, she was doing all the cleaning up. So they put like, you know, cream around her privates so that she doesn't get any any chafing. Uh, second chafing reference of the episode, and uh, while she was rubbing the cream around my mother's uh, vagina, oh my <laughs> I said to the nurse, "I was like, listen, you might as well get her off one more time before she goes." Oh my god! <laughs> the you nurse, did. she was like from Trinidad. <laughs> she was like, "Oh my god, you guys are too funny, too she, funny." She was dying She couldn't believe that I would make such a joke, but she laughed. She laughed. You know? Bravo. <laughs> <I know. laughs>
0: Now, are you working uh, your your mom's passing into into a show?
1: Well, first of all, death is part of life, so that's a good that's mm-hmm. a good thing to talk about. Uh, motherhood's important. My mo- my relationship with my mother was really fucking complicated. But there's a lot of humor in that.
0: You know, all these things that just can fucking- I stop here for a second? Why was it complicated? Because I was going to ask you today. You know, the the thing that I find so fascinating about you. You know, born and raised in Queens, right? Yes. And then got in a lot of trouble, so they ship you off to uh, Ireland to live with family members. So that that. That's basically, how do you wrap your head around the fact that you were sort of abandoned by your parents, although they were doing that because they thought it was the best thing for you? Like, how how, how did you handle that inside your own head?
1: Yeah, well, it's it's more complicated than being abandoned in the sense that I asked them, could I do this, you know? Wait, you felt like, I got to get out of here. Yeah, yeah, I was, you know, like, it's a geographical. In, in AA terms, they would call it a geographical. Like, I was already, like, a bad boozer by 14, but I was certainly, like, seriously discontented, which is just teenage angst, a lot of it, right? Nowadays, they probably would have given me some medication. But, uh, you know, I was just fucking ants in the pants, really unhappy with my life. And uh, this cousin put the idea into my head to go to Ireland. And I had gotten kicked out of school, but I really just flunked out of St. Francis Prep. And then my mother, who definitely had an anxiety disorder, considered it to be a way bigger problem than it was. So amidst all the chaos of that, and I mean, you have kids, so you know, like, you know, a a family crisis seems like huge at the time. But like in hindsight, like, you you usually deal with it. But it did seem fucking huge. So in the midst of all this, this idea came up to go to Ireland. And I, I put the idea into my mother's head. She looked into it, and it turned out to be doable. And, you know... And she did let me go. And honestly, I I never really felt like abandoned as much as years later, like sobriety and working on yourself. I felt like it was a pity that I was dying to get out of there. You know, like it was a pity at 14 that I would have much rather preferred to be 3,000 miles away than at home. Oh, I see. And and other than uh, like my initial the worst period of homesickness was after coming back to New York that first Christmas and going back to Ireland. That was the toughest homesickness because then it was like, fuck, again, you know? Uh, but once I settled into Ireland in like that March, I remember that, that, first, that first spring of 1991 was really the last time I was ever like homesick. Uh, ever since then it was never like a case of I'd rather be at home like I quite liked right. being away
0: what, what a weird place to go to get sober Ireland <laughs> yeah well I definitely didn't go there to get sober no I I'm, mean
1: I know I'm just going for the cheap joke oh, but... oh no yeah, trust me that's my opening gag bro <laughs> oh, oh, no, okay <laughs> oh, okay yeah. I'm top. I'm top. <laughs> no problem with that cheap joke. Okay, good. No, my joke is I had a problem with alcohol, so my mother had this ingenious idea to send me to go to Ireland. To go okay, to there it is. But, uh, yeah, so that... that, that, that No, that's, you I, went
0: to Ireland just to get away, and then eventually it led to uh, you sobering up. Yeah,
1: well, the, the, I, I was never going to work out with me and booze, so that, would, that there was no problem there. I was, like, I was a bad drunk and all that. So I stopped drinking when I was 19. The Ireland thing, yeah, it's hard to know. I mean, y- years later... You know, because I asked my mother about it. You know, like, why did you think, like, it was a good idea for me to be over there?
0: So you were, you were hoping she said, no, man, this isn't a good idea. I, I can't leave you.
1: Or I, I can't I have not. you leave us. Is that what kind of played in your head? Honestly, I, 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 I don't think about that part too much. Oh, okay. I think more just about the part of, like, it's a pity that I was so, you know, like, home. Did so you, you like got the guilt. Home should be home base, right? Yeah. No, I didn't get the guilt. I I felt bad that I was in a house where I wasn't dying to be around. Right. Okay. You know what I mean? Now I get it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, no, I was trying to figure it out as you were talking. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. No, now I get it. Okay.
1: Yeah. But, you know, I mean, honestly, I, I, I that, wasn't, that wasn't as big a thing as like, you know, when I stopped drinking and you start doing therapy and stuff like that, it wasn't as big a thing as discovering that... We really grew up with like a lot of stress, unnecessary stress. Now, we weren't like physically abused or anything, and my parents had way worse childhoods than I had, and on paper, our childhood was pretty good. However, it was just like a lot of unnecessary stress, and honestly, part of what I'm going to talk about in the show is that my mother had anxiety sort of like real bad, like clearly a, a big yeah. problem. She had a, a terrible childhood, and she never got over it, and she had PTSD or whatever the fuck drives it, but... We grew up with a chaos that was completely unnecessary because, in actual fact, everything was fine.
0: Dude, you're freaking me out. I I, I mean, we get along, obviously. We, we have very similar upbringings. Same shit. There was so much chaos in my house. I'm like, this is all unnecessary. Why is the whole house, like, in fear right now? Because uh, one of my brothers left his stupid sneakers out in, in his room. Just the dumbest shit would lead to, like... The whole room being destroyed and thrown out a window. And I'm like, this is unnecessary. From your mom's side or your dad's side? My, see, my dad, I think, didn't know what to do. He sat around and watched a lot of TV and, and, and while all this chaos was going on. You know, as we get older, I think we kind of look at my dad like, you know, why didn't you do more to calm this chaos down? But the same shit you're talking about. it was you know, ne- we, we were soon- good kids and all that, but there was always a problem. Yeah. And, and my mom suffered from the PTSD and
1: uh, my therapy. Did, you, did your mother have alcoholic parents? Uh, yes. Alcoholic father.
0: Well, yeah, it's the same thing. And her mom was an evil, just, I, I never called
1: her a grandma, just an evil woman. Evil. Hey, so, I mean, I think we had very similar childhoods yeah. because unfortunately for, for, for my mom. So the, the joke I used to say in the show about my dad, because I did a show about my dad. And honestly, my dad was very similar to your dad. I mean, he wasn't as much of a... Uh, a watch TV guy, but he was very much like an observer. You know, in my mother's eulogy, actually, I said that uh, my dad was a best supporting actor. My mother was an actress and a leading. Wow, oh, good for you. But that, you know, that, that, you know, like he was. But I think my dad simply just didn't know what to do. We had seven kids. Yeah, plus and two- he wanted to just
0: keep the house going because he knew, like, if he really got involved, what would that lead to? You know, separate families and, and whatnot. Exactly. Or, you know, the the breakdown of the entire family itself, which might not have been the worst thing in the world, to be honest with you. It's hard to know, right? No
1: idea. It's so hard to know because, like, on one level, I admire the fact that they stayed together. And, and the, the good news is... No, they, they got along with each other. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, my dad
0: you know, he knew the, the chaos and the craziness in the house and him not stepping up. You know, I think that caused even more issues.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I had all that. I, I write, you know, I wrote a book about my dad and I write about that in the book. Now, myself and my dad had a, a, a lot of uh, resolution with all that. but We had it out, though, you know, like, yeah. we talked about that. You ever talk about that with your dad?
0: No, no, not at all.
1: Yeah, but you I know, mean, every
0: time I, I had my mom in the corner, basically, like, see, you see this, right? You know, I finally would have a really good example that I could bring to my dad, and he would just he would tap out and go, uh, oh, Greg, you know she's sick." Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, but that doesn't take doesn't care of it. That doesn't excuse all the all the horseshit she's putting me and everyone else through.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I had it out with my mom in the end too, you know, and that's what's kind of good about. I kind of like. I kind of like the fact that I, we got to look after my mother to a certain degree because, you know, it, it gave us a chance to sort of, uh, on one level, it's healthy because you say, I'm, I'm looking after this person and that's the right thing to do. But on another level, it's like all the bullshit that you tried to throw on us, like we weren't going to be there for you and here we are. Right. Another, of, of all the fucking things you worried about, you even worried about the fact that we weren't going to be there for you. Yeah. But we fucking were. Yeah. So right to the end, you were wrong. Ah, oh, you're making me
0: feel guilty. Because <laughs> I, I took the other path. I, I put up to the, the, you know, the borders.
1: What? I don't, oh. I, don't,
0: I don't see my mom. I haven't seen her in uh, two and a half years, probably. And she's in a home. And I'm one of uh, seven.
1: And pretty much at this point, no one's seen her. Yeah, but the, the, you know. Now I, you gave me no, some guilt, dad. Well, yeah, but here's the thing. My mother made real efforts to change. Oh, my mom, no. So I'll make Stubborn you, to the end. I'll make you feel better. So, so just so you know, I took the path of... So when my dad died in 2011, I was writing a book about my dad. And I, I made a real effort. I wanted to still be around. So I told my mother I'd like this house that we're sitting in right now. I said, I'd like to write the book out at the house. And she gave me the usual fucking drama about how expensive it is. and I need to rent it. You know? So I said, I'll tell you what. I'll rent it off you. You know, so I gave her a certain amount of money, which was a lot. Yeah. I'm not going to say the amount, but it was a lot, like, especially to your own mother. Yeah. Uh, So. um, Oh, I I had to pay
0: for the room I lived in growing up.
1: Oh, right. Yeah. So, yeah. As soon as as
0: I turned 18, I'm like, wait, now I got to
1: pay to live here? (laughs) What the fuck? All that. Fuck. Tough love bullshit. <laughs> Holy so, shit. So anyway, I gave her money so that she wouldn't stress. Yeah. I was literally paying her off. I was like, maybe I can fucking... As if, as if the money was going to take away the fucking anxiety. Yeah, yeah. You know? Uh, she needed a fucking Xanax, not a fucking paycheck. <laughs> yeah. So uh i paid the money and she still fucking made it miserable and this was after the family had you know rallied around my dad and we'd had this wonderful time the weird thing was that some of the happiest times we had when my dad was sick you know because we were all together as a family and her, her her return to her old ways especially while i was paying her it was just like too much for me so actually i didn't talk to her for a full year After my dad died, despite that bringing up tons of resentments against her, sisters against me because they felt like I was abandoning her at a most difficult time. I just thought, well, actually, you've fucking been abandoning me my whole fucking life, really. Like in terms of like, oh, you're supposed to be there for people when they're at a tough time. But that's not what we do in this family. So in this situation, I've had enough finally. So I'm going to fucking, I'm going to tap out. And I tapped out. And the thing was that that motivated her. And she went and got a lot of help. Wow. Went to various institu- like places to get help with the control and the anxiety and all the things that she really wouldn't have been able to label until she did it for herself. Even though I had been telling her since I got sober, like I got sober at 95, I had been telling her, like, you need to do something. Whether you're an alcoholic or the child of an alcoholic or married to a fucking alcoholic or the mother of an alcoholic, you've had too much pain in your life yeah. to think that you can somehow just manage all this on your own.
0: Now you're making me jealous.
1: Well, we you gave me were...
0: guilt and now jealousy because my mom... to deal with your emotions. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm in therapy and I'm, I'm, I'm in a good place, but this is bringing up a lot of stuff. So uh, we were always hoping my mom would get help and she started going to therapists and therapy and all that. But her thing was... She can never be wrong. So she was always finding a therapist that agreed with her. And every time she had a therapist that was trying to get tough and be like, nah, this is what's going on here. You got to work on this. She'd be like,
1: yeah, fuck you
0: and curse the person out and then find another therapist. And it was always finding a therapist that just simply agrees with her point of view. So there was never going to be any healing or growth happening between her and her kids.
1: Yeah. I mean, who knows why it worked out for my mom? It may have been because it happened... That's great. After my dad died or because she had, because my dad was so involved in AA that she had been around people who she clearly seen and had worked for, whatever. She definitely changed. She made it. she made a big, you can't, you know, you can't deny it that, that she, you know, she had a, like a, a massive life changing experience as a result of the, the work she did on herself. But I know that she was like tortured by the mistakes that she had made in her life leading towards the end. And I yeah. found some stuff that she had written around the time that I wasn't talking to her. And like, you know, she really did struggle with that stuff. And you can't help but feel bad for her because you think life sucks really, right? Like it's impossible to get it right. Yeah. And you'd, you really, you would hate to think that you'll live your life full of regret and remorse and the things that you, you know, the things that you do. And it's so difficult. And I've never had kids and I can't imagine how fucking difficult it is. And you're clearly going to make mistakes. But, you know, every life is the life that it is. Yeah. And, you know, in the end... Like I, 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 have to think that in the end, despite giving herself a hard time till very close to the end, that her family was around her. She would have to know that, despite everything that went down, that it was still a good job.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I could say this. I, I, I truly know that my mom loves us, you know. But she never had a chance. She had a really rough upbringing, and she, in the end, she did the best job she could. But for, for my own health and now, you know, I'm married with kids, it's, it's just easier to kind of not be in that world anymore, unfortunately. Oh, listen, I, I would never- It's a tough choice to make and a lot of us do it. You know, since I openly started talking about this on the podcast and the old radio show, people have come out of the woodwork going, dude, man, I thought I was the only one that kind of had to like give up on my own mom or dad for my own sanity and for my own uh, health of my family. Well, yeah, and the other thing I think is like... Although I, I'm going to go see her now because of you, you son of a bitch. Well, you make sure that's good for you,
1: bro. You, <laughs> like you got you to you decide what... I'm just trying to make you uncomfortable.
0: <laughs> no, I've been thinking about seeing her uh, for real just to, you know, check in, but yeah.
1: No, but I was going to say that like, you know, because like I don't have kids, but my friends have kids. My brother has kids. And most of their houses are very calm. Yeah. And I just, it, 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 it drives it home for me that it really was unnecessary. And when you say that thing of she did the best job that she could, and I think the same thing about my mom, but I think it's okay to say it wasn't fucking good enough. Yeah. And like, I'm fine. I'm an adult. I'm responsible for my life. I do not blame my mother for anything. But at the same time, you can't get to a place where you're content in yourself if you can't admit that, like, it wasn't good enough.
0: Yeah, of course.
1: You know, and th- that's not to say that it was ever going to be any other way. And I don't, I don't have any resentments against my mother for that. But it was unnecessary, the stress. And it has taken me, the ma- like, the majority of my life to get enough freedom from the fucking anxiety and the stress and the unnecessary fears that you have. Yeah. You know, it's taken me enough of my life to get enough freedom from that, to have a good life. That you'd be selling yourself short if you try to pretend that like, it was good enough.
0: Yeah. It, it, was, it was exhausting. I, I, I actually mentioned this on the last podcast, and I, only, um, I mentioned this for the first time publicly. I was convinced growing up that my mom could actually kill us.
1: All oh, right. That's interesting because my, my, my dad's mother did actually try to kill him. Really? Yeah, she went to jail. Now, it'll be a whole other podcast for that. But. All right, we'll save that. She but, was
0: imprisoned, yeah. But then someone's like, but you know she loved you. I'm like, yeah, I know my mom loved us. I know she did the best job she could. But as a kid, I I had, I was convinced, and, and if you talk to my brothers and my sisters, they would probably say the same, or most of them would – that there was something in her that we were convinced that if things go really wrong, she could actually do something really stupid. Now, she never did. We never really got hit. It was more just yelling and screaming and the chaos and all that. Um with- the silence...
1: Never silence. Oh well, sometimes my you know, like I wish. Well, no, but you'd be like, "Mom, what's wrong?" It's like nothing. Oh, that <laughs> no,
0: no, no. You ask if you said what's wrong to my mom, I'll forget it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll forget it. Now I got I got a tough question for you, and you don't have to answer. I I learned through all this, and we're kind of similar that I actually suffer from PTSD and trauma related shit. Do you have? Do you feel the same or?
1: Yeah, absolutely. But I never, I never labeled it that way back in the day. Like I, People didn't label it as much like that back when I was doing more of the therapy when I was younger. Yeah. But when I talk about my mom now, I, I say that she had, and, and I definitely had that. See, I mean, I, I definitely had like, times where I was worried yeah. for no fucking reason. Because I, I
0: say that carefully because, you know... I'm, you know, you hear about uh, these brave men and women that come back from, you know, war and stuff and they got PTSD. I don't want to be in that category. But, you know, my therapist has simply said you you guys went through so much trauma growing up that you absolutely have PTSD. And you're a workout guy like me, right? Mm-hmm. You know that. Do you work out really hard to exhaustion or or have you ever during your uh, life? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because that's, that's how some people uh, handle PTSD. Believe it or not, it's that you need to feel to that level.
1: Oh, right. It's interesting. Because I, I, mean,
0: I, I never knew why I worked out so much to exhaustion. And then it, it was finally explained to me, and I got a couple articles on it. It's like, yeah, people with PTSD, to make themselves feel better, they will, they will work out to that extent. And I thought I just liked being, you know, an athlete and working out.
1: No, I mean, I I always take I, I take the working out to extremes. I always take everything to extremes, and I assume it had something to do with my yeah. my problematic childhood. Yeah. <laughs> but I also now have come to embrace the the irregularities of my personality. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and you try to use them to their, you know, to their advantage. Absolutely, man. You know? I agree with that. No, I think a lot, a lot of this stuff that we've talked about, you know, molds you into the person that you are. Yeah. And also, it's one of the motivations behind doing the show is because even just from this simple conversation, you identify so much, and I identify with your story so much, so you know you're not on your own. And can I just say one final thing, because I have to go. Yeah. But I want this more for your listeners to th- think about But it's interesting the way you say your mom, you you actually thought your mom might kill you. And I talk about this in relation to guys I know that have very difficult wives and kids I know that have very difficult mothers. Um, Because women tend to not be as physically violent, you know, like it, it, it comes out in different ways. But essentially, you know, you're an abused child right but it's not physical abuse so it doesn't have the same kind of thing and a lot of times men are like abused men even though they're not physically abused and this is this has nothing to do with male violence against women this is i say this completely independently but there's really not the same level of support for a man to come out and say i think i was yeah mentally tortured yeah by my mother yeah mentally tortured yeah but if there was like a more clear distinction that that was an okay thing to come out and say, there might be better supports and it might be easier for people to just come out. And the, because the problem is that the minute you say that people think that you're trying to sort of counteract an argument about male violence against women. But actually I, I say it just completely independently that men experience abuse in a different way. And, 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 and I, it's, it's so hard to keep it independent, but I really mean this completely independently of any other type of abuse. But that, emotional abuse that men can sometimes receive is quite damaging. Yeah. And I wish that there was more information out there. And I don't mean that to be provocative. I just mean it for literally two guys talking about a similar experience they had yeah. of trauma as children. Well, simply go and talk to someone about it. Yeah, I know. But what I mean is it's not like if, you, if, if, if somebody says uh, her husband is an abuser, you automatically know what that is. Yeah. But if you say... My mother was an emotional abuser. People will probably dismiss. Uh, of
0: course. But it's not about them. I mean, if you know that, you know, just talking to someone, you can at least kind of wrap your head around it and, and, and be at peace with what happened.
1: Oh, yeah. But I, I, I am and you are. But I'm, I'm putting it out there. Yeah, to- that's why I say just talk to someone. Yeah. and Don't
0: worry about what everyone
1: else is saying. Yes. And whatever
0: you're thinking inside your head is probably pretty real. And, and there's people out there that can help you, uh, you know, talk, uh, talk your way through that stuff.
1: Yeah, 100%. Hey,
0: I know you got to leave. You're going to go play golf, but... Um, oh, geez, I try to keep
1: that a secret. You know? <laughs> You're a good golfer, too. I,
0: I, used to, I used to love my golf, but I got these two herniated discs that I'm dealing with. Oh, I'm hence the, the yoga, but I'm getting close. Hence the yoga and the striped bass. Well, because I'm, <laughs> I'm twisting more, and I'm thinking I can maybe start swinging a golf club again in, in the, proper, uh, the proper way. But one last thing. Now, I didn't cry when my dad died, okay? I, I don't really cry over my mom. But I cry over something that you cry over, too, with a lot of similarities. You want to guess it?
1: Well, I know. Yeah, I mean, I know what you're talking about because I tweeted that. I uh, I say 75% of my time on the Internet ends with me crying over uh, – An America's Got Talent or a Britain's Got Talent, Golden Buzzer. I
0: started laughing because we were watching last night and I was tearing up and I'm trying to be cool. And I'm looking at my wife like, oh, you know, because they gave uh, the Golden Buzzer
1: to uh, which one? The kids with the light show or whatever. But the funny thing is I don't watch. I don't watch watch? them. I just they show up on my Facebook and then I watch them and I start crying. Dude, you, you could
0: spend an hour just watching the Golden Buzzer videos from AGT. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about.
1: That's and, what I watch. And you, if you're a human being, you'll start bawling. Well, especially lately, because I feel like, cause I've known a few people that have been on it, like Paul Zenden, the, the ventriloquist, the, the boy with tape on his face. Uh, I, oh, you know what, uh, tape face? I know Tateface because he's he's from the festival circuit. Yeah. He used to do all the festivals like in Australia. My brother's
0: obsessed. Uh, my brother, oh, my God. My son, geez, my son's obsessed, and I surprised him. We went and saw Tate Face uh, in, in the spring. In Vegas? He came to Long Island. Oh, he's a lovely guy. And we did a little VIP meet and greet, and oh, I'm like, my now my now my son thinks I'm something.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. tapeface is cool. His show's great. I loved it. I was going out with a Chinese girl, couldn't speak English, but I could take her to Tape <laughs> Yeah, of course you can. Yeah, so uh, anyway, I... I I feel like that era is kind of faded. Oh, Piff. I know Piff from Vegas, you know? Yes. Like, it's really more about the backstory now.
0: Yeah. You know? Well, the backstory, uh, we, we started this podcast with autism. We could end it. Uh, Cody Lee. Do you know about Cody Lee no. from America's Got Talent? Oh, is he the guy that plays the piano? He's a guy that's blind and uh, very, uh, the only way I can say it, because I I, 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 I'm not that educated on it, but very autistic. Yeah. I barely can communicate. He comes out with his mom. He yeah, can't see. I cried at that one. And he can't really communicate. He communicates a little bit, very uh, short phrases, okay, not complete sentences. And everyone's looking around. But they already know. They already know about this guy because they, re- they, 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 re- they recruit these people from all over the world. It's not that big of a surprise. Then he sits down in front of the piano and sings perfectly. And it turns out he's like one of, uh, I want to say, five or six people in the world that can mimic music, he's autistic, but he can mimic uh, 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 musicians perfectly and play perfectly, and that's what he did, and they gave him the golden buzzer, and, man, I was
1: bawling. I was bawling when I saw that video. You saw that one. I saw that. I love it. Now, I can cry at at a lot of things, but those videos do always get me. Yeah. You know, if people, because I do really have to go, but if people want to cry at a comedy show... I am doing a work-in-progress nice. <laughs> work show with my mom this Sunday at the Fat Black Pussycat, 7 p.m. at the Comedy Cellar in New York City yeah. for your New York listeners.
0: I highly recommend you go see Des Bishop. If you're in New York, you know, go this Sunday.
1: Yeah, and if you're, if you're a gambler, I'm in Mohegan Sun at the end of September. All right, cool. Or just
0: uh, search out Des Bishop when you get a chance to see him. Really, really funny guy. I like when you go deep. I like that uh, we have some very similar uh, experiences. Yes.
1: Yes. It's great to be able to share them. Our little therapy sessions here. (laughs) (laughs) All
0: right. With that, I'm going to leave Dez's house. He's going to go play golf. I'm going to, I don't know what I'm going to do. I think I'm going to go swim. I think I'm going to go swim
1: and maybe. uh, I guess if the fishing season's kind of over.
0: No, not really. The fishing season is, well, the problem is, is a lot of striped, um, not striped bass, a lot of sea robins. This is sea robin time where, you know, uh, whatever, I'm babbling. But uh, most most fishermen hate this time of year because you just you, you just catch way too many sea robins. All
1: right, man. All right, say this goodbye.
0: is so. I just walk out now.
1: Are you going to actually just go? I
0: guess that's how. Well, you got to go play golf. No, I know. Yeah, I
1: was. I, I was going to. I thought you were going to turn it off. Then I was going to say. Goodbye. And then we You're can like hang out. Yeah, let's do that for once.
0: <laughs> <laughs> let's do, that's kind of weird. I, I, I kind of like that we could be human beings. Instead,
1: of I, instead of, I, I
0: walk out awkwardly while you go to the shower. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it, man. Des Bishop, anything else that no, you want to promote? Uh,
1: yeah, my Instagram's at Des Bishop. My Instagram's at Des Bishop. Add me there.
0: And you were obsessed with uh, Love Island, but we didn't even get, we didn't even get into that today. But, but, but a lot of people enjoyed your Love Island uh, commentary. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to the OP Radio podcast. Join our Facebook uh, group. I'll, uh, I'll leave a link in the description if you want to join our little group. And uh, I'm OP Radio on Instagram and Twitter. You know all the usual places. If you're just listening to this uh, episode and you're not a subscriber, what are you waiting for? Subscribe to the OP Radio podcast. All right, guys. I'm out.
1: Peace.